0: Hi everybody! I would like to welcome you to this fireside chat. Uh, my name is Malta Hans. I'm an associate partner with McKinsey and Company's logistics practice, and today I'm going to be discussing vaccine logistics and the COVID vaccine supply chain with Margie Van Gogh. Um, really excited to have you here, Margie, and maybe you can say a couple of words uh, about yourself.
1: Oh, thank you very much, Malta, and thank you to everybody that's uh, taking the time to. Um, follow this conversation with us today. My name is Margie van Gogh. I'm with the World Economic Forum and lead the health, <clears throat> the supply chain and transport industries practice with a focus at the moment on the health sector, of course, given um, how challenging the pandemic um, is for all of us. Our mobility platform typically focuses on accelerating a global transition to a safer, cleaner and more inclusive Uh, transportation system. And when we think about this pandemic, um, inclusive really is the central focus here.
0: Great. So um, in the past weeks, I think we've had a lot of uh, scrutiny about the vaccine supply chain, with these huge issues in uh, production capacity, distribution capacity, uh, cold chain. But maybe to kick us off, Marnie, what has worked well? What were the successful things that you see?
1: So Malta, I think absolutely, you know, the, the, the government response um, and the, the um, alignment between private and public sector has certainly given us some early gains. Uh, what I think is really interesting now is to also consider what some of the challenges and the constraints are that have been facing um, distribution and supply chain organisations as we consider how to respond. So perhaps you'd like to share your thoughts a little bit uh, on on that front.
0: Yeah, of course. So I think we are seeing some um, challenges that just originate in the huge um, spread of distribution that needs to happen across the world, pretty much across all countries. uh, And that just in itself is a large supply chain task. What I think really makes this especially daunting is the temperature requirements that these new vaccines pose. So the minus 70 degrees is nothing that a logistics player typically does in large bulk volumes because those types of temperature requirements are seen mainly in things like clinical trials at much lower volumes. So we are talking about a global supply chain at um, temperature requirements that are far from usual. In addition, the Pandemic obviously also affects uh, capacity. We have significant shortages when it comes to air freight capacity, mainly because typically a lot of uh, air freight loads are transported as part part of uh, passenger flights, and those are grounded. And on the other hand, ocean cargo rates have increased drastically, sometimes fourfold, and we now have um, capacity constraints also on the container side. Um, while the vaccines are largely being uh, transported by air freight, all of the peripherals like syringes are being transported by sea. And trying to create a supply chain where both of these items now arrive in every single country in the world at the same time is just an extremely daunting task. In addition, outside the temperatures um, and outside the transport, especially, we see that production capacity is still an issue. Um, this was expected last year, but um, at least here in Europe, it seems to be facing increasing scrutiny from the media. Um, we hope that this will um, become better over time. We still have um, some, I would call them teething troubles when it comes to the interface between patients and uh, the government in um, scheduling their appointments. The apps are not running perfectly everywhere, phone lines are crowded. So. I would call this the sort of standard issues that you face when you set up an operation like this, and we really hope that this improves over the coming months. Um, Then we have everything that is related to really the last mile. So while we have found ways uh, on the logistics side to come from the production facilities into the countries, the last mile to the patient is obviously also quite challenging. Many countries have taken the route of centralized vaccination points, which makes sense to do the low temperature requirements, but at the same time, some of the key risk groups are less mobile. So elderly patients that can't really leave their their care homes anymore also need to be be vaccinated. And that's a challenge that a lot of countries face trying to put together a last mile with those stringent temperature requirements to also cater to their most uh, patients most at risk. And then finally, on the digital side, I would say is the tracking of the whole thing. So we have the physical flow and the tracking of temperatures, the trackings of locations to just make sure that those stringent temperature requirements are being met and met consistently. And also that issues like counterfeit vaccines uh, don't make it to the customer
1: Sorry, I was just going to say, as a litany of challenges, there. I mean, they're significant. And then, have you got any thoughts on, you know, the reverse logistics challenges? Uh, insofar as you know, we talk about uh, return packaging and impact on environment. What are your thoughts there?
0: Yeah, I think that is. Um, I think it's a challenge that currently is kind of taking a backseat in the in the minds of many, um, because. Countries are trying to just distribute the vaccines as quickly as possible, and understandably so. However, when you look at the packaging requirements that, uh, for example, the minus 70 degrees shipping brings with uh, different types of containers and different types of uh, temperature loggers and batteries and dry ice, there's a significant sustainability topic that needs to be addressed um, in the midterm meaning how do we get those uh, containers back? How do we reuse them? How do we make sure that the, uh, the syringes and needles get uh, disposed of properly or recycled in order to make sure that we um, try and keep the environmental impact of this uh, large scale campaign limited as much
1: as possible. So I'll just follow up with a with with a question to um, it, on the back of the last mile comment and uh, the um, uh, the re- reverse logistics thing. So so Malta, um, what what typical supply chain setups are you then seeing um, being used in order to deliver these vaccines into various countries? And um, the World Economic Forum is v- working very actively with UNICEF in terms of being able to um, determine how the supply chain and transport broader community can support this. But what are you seeing as typical here? Um, and and are there advantages and disadvantages from your vantage point?
0: Yeah, I think right now we are seeing two main, very basic archetypes. Um, one is, I would call that something like express logistics, where we really have a logistics from the point of production to the point of use in the individual countries by plane, uh, small quantities, uh, very tailored, very, um, very clearly tracked and closely monitored, and also expensive, obviously on a uh, on a per per kilogram basis if you will, so real express logistics. Um, this is also due to the fact that the minus seventy degree again really prohibits um, a lot of mistakes along the supply chain Um, so using real um, express logistics until the point of use um, seems to be most uh, reliable when it comes to that obviously um, as we know it from other parts of the medical supply chain um, we believe that for larger countries um, it does make sense to start looking at um, storage and buffering within the country or within the region so a warehousing solution and then um, doing the last mile from a warehouse, which allows you to create sort of a buffer in the supply chain rather than having everything done um, in an express fashion, and should also enable um, some cost reductions in the return. However, for now, the main thing that we see is um, really for the minus 70 degrees um, express logistics path. But how do you, um, from your work, especially also with the less industrialized countries, Martin, how do you see that uh, those supply chain setups and also the associated challenges differ um, between what we see in the more industrialized countries?
1: Well, this is a focus, Malta, for us um, for the last number of months, actually, looking at uh, inclusivity and how can we, at the forum, through our mobility and supply chain and communities, but also specifically through the health um, communities support uh, COVAX, which has been widely reported on. If we have a look at um, industrial um, economies and and the industrialized nations uh, and and large corporations, a significant greater capability to facilitate uh, procurement uh, independent of any sort of collective buying um, uh, structures that get put in place, where uh, we see this role. Uh, being filled by um, non-governmental organizations such as Gavi and and COVAX coming together with a distribution uh, foreseen through through UNICEF. Um, This is one of the challenges on the procurement side uh, as far as distribution is concerned and as far as planning for distribution on the ground is concerned once these doses become available for those countries uh, in the global south. Uh, one can look at the challenges just in the global south of temperature right and the impact that has on uh, coal chain and on maintaining coal chain and therefore the importance of uh, a fully functional um, uh, electricity and power infrastructure. and one of the challenges that we faced with in uh, in South Africa at the moment is is uh, is extreme load on our uh, on our, um, on our grid on our power grid. And one only has to think that every day that there's load shedding um, in one of these countries, the impact that might have if the generator system um, that supports, uh, you know, uh, as a backup is not functioning correctly. So when one is looking at, you know, minus 70 degrees, that is intense and extreme and unlikely that those vaccines are going to be made widely available in the global south, uh, just due to infrastructure capability. But even when one's looking at two to eight degrees in very hot locations. Um, this 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 presents an extreme challenge uh, on the transport side. We know that you know road rec- road networks are not necessarily as well developed. That you have widely dispersed uh, rural populations. Um, communication is not as fluid as it is in, in certainly in the industrialized world. Um, and therefore, just scheduling appointments, if, if if one's looking at how to get the tip of the needle into the arm, really requires strong private, public, and NGO collaboration. Uh, and another, another, another key uh, challenge, and, and, and certainly, I think this, irrespective of which um, part of the globe you're in, global north or the global south, there is a strong debate at the moment about uh, um, the security around these vaccines. Are they going to arrive safe? In other words, uh, the cold chain has not been broken. Are they going to be counterfeit? Are they protected from theft? Um, this is sometimes much harder to secure in um, in less developed countries and of course where the demand is very great. And, um, and, and I think this is something that we certainly need to, you know, certainly need to consider. Uh, along with, I imagine, what some of the um challenges are that we expect to overcome in the, in the coming few months. So I think here. I guess I'd like to put to you the question of uh, you know, how do you expect to see uh, those challenges um, unfolding in the next few months? Where do you expect to see focus and investment? Um, and what do you think specifically in terms of priority uh, the private sector can contribute uh, from your perspective and engagement widely in the private and state sector? How do you see us overcoming some of those challenges, Malta?
0: Yeah, absolutely. So I really hope that a lot of these challenges can be overcome. I know that uh, some of the ones that you mentioned, like um, like insufficient roads or power supply, are topics and challenges that we've seen for a long time. So we would have to see um, how the right logistics solutions may be able to alleviate some of them. But a lot of the other topics I currently also see as... Um, just the signs that this is a really new thing for all of the players in the market. So for example, um, on the countryside, I doubt that countries, at least in the past uh, couple of years, have taken such a pronounced role in procuring such a vast quantity of uh, services from the private sector in logistics and in pharma. So obviously, um, one of the positive aspects that you mentioned in the beginning this agile, sort of entrepreneurial spirit to come up with the solutions to try and help the population as best as possible. It also comes with the risk that not all the solutions will be optimal. So it's going to take some months before companies learn from each other, learn from each other's mistake, I believe. Uh, and then also uh, the, the supply chain setups kind of maybe convert uh, to what the countries see as optimal. I also think that uh, this whole topic around the customer interface, um, getting getting meetings, um, getting the vaccination scheduled, making sure you have somebody on the phone who can answer your questions, uh, I think those are things that will also sort of groove in and become better over time. And here's also where I do believe that the private sector can add value because um, there are companies with a lot of expertise in building the kind of digital backbones that you need to uh, to make an efficient to make appointment scheduling efficient and effective at the same time. So I think that's where private sector and public sector need to work together to come up with a solution that really works for the public. As for the temperature requirements, we are already seeing today that um, some of those temperature requirements are being alleviated. Um, Some of the newer players that have come into the market with a vaccine uh, are requiring temperature regimens that are less stringent. And we do hope that um, this improves over time so that on the one hand, the countries that you said before that will have a very, very hard time working with the minus 70 degree supply chain have a better chance of securing vaccines for their populations. Um, and on the other hand, it just alleviates some of the pressure from the supply chain that just comes with this extreme temperature requirement and this extreme cold chain requirement that really needs uh, hardly any room for mistakes and then finally, I think one of the things that we see work well, and you said that um, in the, uh, you said that in the beginning, is this this core theme, right? We what we are seeing in the different sectors is that we we see competitors cooperate on this topic, and to me, this is this can really unlock a lot of different things. Whether it's the Pfizer BioNTech in the development and testing of the vaccine, whether it's I think Sanofi that is uh, supporting the production of the vaccine these types of collaborations at least for uh, for a limited scope and a limited period of time can really help us globally to improve um, the logistics performance and to increase our chances of really beating this virus through widespread vaccinations
1: well malta i i just want to pick up on that last point and i think that it's absolutely vital when one looks at the um, significant opportunity that we have to prepare not um, only for the rollout of uh, this vaccine and, and learn from countries that are rolling it out in advance of those who need it in the global south, but this co is going to be necessary in order to ensure that the global south does not get left behind, um, and whether that is in vaccine um, uh, allocation. Um, and the funding necessary to support that. So in other words, you know, where we have countries that we have seen acquire doses well in excess of those that would be needed by their population, are they prepared to donate those? Or whether we see um, co operation between logistics providers with, you know, mixed infrastructures in in, in, their, in in countries where, you know, you might have a need for a very um, a strong... Uh, a warehousing capacity that may not exist uh, with the provider that's that's got the transport, that you'd actually see a warehousing provider um, align themselves with the transport provider and start to look at how can we provide an end-to-end uh, solution through collaboration and coopetition. And of course, all of that lends itself to the need for visibility end-to-end. And I think this is where data collaboration comes into play. When we start to think about agility and what enables agility and therefore resilience, this is actually visibility. And visibility requires data sharing, elements of data being shared, not dissimilar to what we've seen in the discovery process, but also then in the distribution process. So I think there's there's significant room for greater levels of collaboration when it comes to uh, end-to-end solutions with the visibility that allows end-to-end to be measured, whether that's in cold chain monitoring, whether it is in last mile distribution, or whether it is in in fact in reducing some of the bottlenecks that occur as a result of this pandemic. And I think that is pretty vital, this, collabor- this collaborative spirit that is required. I fully agree with you.
0: And I also really I fully stand behind the notion that I do think that the the private sector, but also the industrialized economies need to stand together to also support uh, the global south in getting these vaccines. We can't come to a scenario where the more industrialized and richer countries are getting the vaccines and it becomes harder and harder for the global south to do so as well. So this was a really, really exciting conversation with you. Uh, you have some great perspectives on the topics of Marty. and I really thank you for taking the time and talking uh, to me today. So I hope everybody was able to enjoy this discussion and get maybe some new thoughts on the topic. Um, thanks everybody.
1: Most welcome. Thank you, Malta. Thank you, everybody.